Well, this morning, we're in the passage series. We're going to continue for a few more weeks. The I2 series is coming this Sunday after Labor Day. But let's don't rush that. First Sunday of August, August 5th. And I want to talk to you this morning about a story from the Gospel of Luke. I call this Deeper Water. We had a ministry here years ago that we started in the early days because we kind of led this region 16 years ago in praise and worship. We were really introducing it to our community, and we had a Friday night service that we did for about five years, and churches, sometimes as many as 30, 38 different churches would be represented from here to Selma, and then other churches began to do praise and worship. There was a real need, and we, we called the service Deeper Water. It was a great hook. Well, I've always been intrigued with this particular passage in the Gospel of Luke because it even says, come into the deep. Come into the deep water. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a deeper water experience, a deeper water faith. You know, this morning, we even kind of have a living illustration of that with our uh, baptism. Those guys, that water, I mean, they were under the water. Every one of them, all their hair, they got, they got immersed. They got submerged. I mean, and it's interesting as a pastor, sometimes uh, uh, people get baptized and they're scared. I can, I can see it on their face. And then sometimes kids come there and they want to do the backstroke, you know. They've been watching the Olympics. Well, that ain't big enough to be an Olympian, okay? But this morning, I want to talk to you about deep water faith. As you open your Bibles there, it would be Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11 would be the text today. So if we could stand for the reading of God's holy word just to get us started together, just in reverence for our king and say, God, your word is holy, and we stand in honor of it. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd pressed on, in on to him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowd from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I want you to remember that. If you say so, that's a critical statement. I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were not so full of fish, or they were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And they soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord. Please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was all struck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. You know, I use that word all the time, and I'm hearing you and when you're talking to people. And I love that word. I like the word Christian. They were first called Christians in Antioch. But let me tell you, in Montgomery, Alabama, in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, you can see, everybody says, hey, I'm not an atheist. I'm not this. I'm a Christian. But they don't really live a faith in Christ. But I got to tell you, when you say, I am a Christ follower, it really puts a focus on Jesus, doesn't it? And then I'm saying, I'm declaring, I'm following Jesus. That's what they did this morning in baptism. They just declared to us publicly, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord and Master. I'll follow him. You can be seated. Well, this morning as we look at deeper water, I've got a lot to cover with you, so just hang on with me and we'll just have fun in this text. You know, this text is an account of moving the disciples to deeper water so they can fish. 
the reputation of Jesus had greatly grown. It got so big, people would press into him in the villages, in the homes, and one day they had to cut a hole in the roof and raise their paralyzed friend up to Jesus on the mat. In this scene, it was so crowded, I, there was throngs of people, and I guess they were going to push him in, or they were right there. They just wanted to hear. They were coming for a miracle. They, they came because Jesus is one that spoke with authority and, and power, and it, they needed to hear a word from this man. Or maybe they were hoping for a miraculous healing. They might touch the hem of his garment because Jesus was there. On that day, Jesus saw that there was a, some f- fishermen there. there. There was a boat, and he, he borrowed the boat that day. He used it as a, a pulpit, as a table, if you will. And uh, he borrowed it from a guy named Simon. Simon is Peter. He said, Simon, I, I need your boat. Of course, he, he gave it to me. He didn't fight him about it, but uh, you know, he didn't know that he was going to give away his boat that day. He was going to loan his boat And that boat would become a pulpit for Jesus. And because of Jesus using that boat, speaking to that crowds of people, it was going to change the lives of many. You know, it's just a thought, a side thought you might write in the margin. When you give just a little bit or you give something to Jesus, you never know what he's got the possibility of doing with it. You know, over three decades ago, I gave my life to Jesus. Had no idea. I mean, I'm just a college student with a lot of hair. That's kind of comical today. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. A lot of hair, man, down to here, curly, brown, knew what a hairdryer was for. And man, today I look, man, my hair's faded, it's turning gray. I went to see my brother in the hospital the other day. He's older than me, lived a different life than me. But let me tell you, he's got a head full of hair that's brown. He just been, he was in ICU, and I looked at him, I said, I don't understand it, bro. How come you got your hair and I ain't got mine? He didn't have nothing to say, he just put his head down. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. The thing is, Jesus just wants to be in our life. Look at, let's begin to fill this in. I made it easy. I alliterated. I felt like I was back at Emory at seminary. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the R approach. I love the R's. You know, reading, writing, arithmetic. I know, I know you don't spell them like that. But anyway, okay, here we go. So we're going with the R's. Ready? The first one. There was a request made from Jesus to Simon. Jesus had something that he wanted Simon to do, and he, he asked him something. And I was just thinking about us. Jesus makes requests of us. And, and the bigger thought is, you, do you and I have ears to hear when the master says something? You know, it's possible that of all these fishermen that had gathered, or these disciples, at least seven of them, commentaries tell us, at least seven were probably fishermen. They had tax collectors and physicians and different things. But Peter, he sat in that boat that Jesus launched out on, and he listened intently to the master. You know, the Word of God, I get you to write it there right beside that. I want you to write this verse down. I want you to go back to it, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. If you don't have faith, you just need to take the Scriptures and you need to begin to read. More people have found the biblical Jesus in the reading of the Word. One of our elders, he told me how Christ became so alive to him through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the reading of Romans over and over. I praise God for that. How about you, church? And you know, that's how we discover Christ in a real biblical sense of the word. We begin to dig into the scripture, this deep faith. I have people all the time, man, I want deep faith. I want you to preach some deep messages. And basically what most people are saying when they say they want deep faith, they want theological nuances. They want things I've learned in seminary. They want some knowledge that they can get puffed up and they can say, I know the Greek word for that. You know, sometimes I use Greek. Sometimes I put Greek words in there. If my seminary professors were here, they'd go, man, you've been murdering some of those kids. But what I've learned is, as I've studied, 
So many professors preach it different, and they say it different ways and enunciate it. And here's what the one guy told me one time, and I never forgot. He says, Keith, when you stand up and you proclaim the Word of God and you decide that you're going to, be, you're going to use a little education, you're going to use some Greek, he says, say it with authority, boy. Just say it with authority. So I do. And you don't know if I'm right or wrong. But I'm, that's true. But I'm pretty close, I hope. You're saying, man, this guy, he's a, he's a nut. No, I'm just flawed, just like you. We're going to see here later, Peter's going to go, hey, I'm a sinner, but let me not get too far ahead of it. So let's move through that. I want you to hear this. When you go deep in Christ, you gain confidence. And that's what I really want you to be, not full of head knowledge, as important as it is to know the Scriptures and learn the sacred writings of holy God. But I want you to gain a confidence in the one who has saved you, who has redeemed you, yes, the one who has rescued you. A deep-seated confidence in God, regardless of the circumstances or the situations that you find yourself in, I want you to have confidence and confidence in God Almighty and Him alone. And the church said, I don't want you to have confidence in me. I don't want you to have confidence in your baptism or your church membership, as important as all that is. I want you to have confidence in Jesus, in His Word. And God, what does your word say? Lord, I don't know, but I'm learning. Or God, I do understand it. I, I've hit it in my heart that I might not sin against you. But the way it starts out here, there, there's something small. He asked Simon, he asked Peter for a boat. But I want, I want to get practical. What's Jesus asked you for? I promise you, he's been asking you. Have you been listening? He's asked you for your time. He's asked you for some of your money. He's asked you for your mind. He's asked you for this. He's asked you for that. How many of you are glad that I believe that God's involved in the Olympics? I believe that he asked some of them to run and to run fast and to be great gymnasts. Did, did y'all hear Gabby the other day? I got to tell you, I got so excited. One billion people, they say, watching the Olympics, and I'm one of them. Except I'd be kind of glad when the Olympics is over because it's killing me, man. <laughs> Staying up late every night. But, amen. But Gabby. Did you hear that beautiful African-American girl that won the gold team and then she won the all-around gold? When she said it, I thought it was Tim Tebow, but he had just shrunk and changed colors. <laughs> she said, I meditate on the scriptures. I went, woohoo! The girl's got it. She wasn't full of herself. She wanted to be full of her Savior. And I tell you what, Gabby's got a platform now. She's got a million-dollar smile. She's got a couple gold medals around her neck, but she's got the Word of God planted in her heart and in her mind. You're saying, well, who's your favorite Olympian? I think I just gave it away. Okay. J. Vernon McGee, I like what he said. Every pulpit is a fishing boat. You know, you're saying, well, you have the most unorthodox approach. I do. You have the most unorthodox pulpit. I really do. When we started the church, I remember I had whatever we had at AUM. We met in the nursing, uh, unit, nursing school for two and a half years to build this campus. And, and uh, I'd have a little podium. I'd have whatever you know you could find at the university and just glad to have it. But when we moved out here, the thing was popular. You got you an acrylic podium. And I got one. Man, I was so proud of that thing. You could see through it and everything. I'd stand up here and, you know, it was okay. And then I remember one day I said, you know what? I need a table. I just think a table would be good. And people that come guest priests, they go, what am I going to do with it? Am I, am I going to look at it? Am I going to sit down? Am I going to walk around? And I go, you just do whatever you feel comfortable with. I do. Is anybody, somebody said one day, I can't believe our preacher got a table. He sits down, but he don't sit long. I don't. But what I want to tell you is, the fishing boat was a pulpit 
that Jesus proclaimed the good news of his Father's kingdom. You know what I've learned? When you have confidence, it tells you God is enough. Write that down. It's not for you a note, but I just say it's probably the most important thing I'll say today. God is enough. I don't know what you're going through, but God's enough. Look at so common for us. You know, Jesus asked me, asked, it's a little tough to really be obedient. They were mending their nets when Jesus came. They'd been out. Now, Jesus, you are, you know about woodwork. So if I got a carpentry problem, I'm going to come to you, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the son of God. Work. So if I got a carpentry problem, I'm going to come to you, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the son of God. And if I got a carpentry problem, I'm going to come to you, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the son of God. And if I got a, a question theologically, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the son of God. And if I got a, a question theologically about God, I'm going to come to Jesus. You are the son of God. And if I got a, a question theologically about God, I'm going to come to you. But Jesus, I am a fisherman. Make no mistake about it. And if you want to know about fishing, don't tell me how to fish. You're saying, you read that in the text? Well, I used a little license, a little creativity. But the truth is, we all do that, don't we? Jesus, now you're really great, but Jesus, I'm a contractor. Jesus, I'm an accountant. Jesus, I'm a teacher. Jesus, I'm a mom. Jesus, I'm a dad. Jesus is Lord. And he wants us to surrender to him. So there's this reluctance to really buy in. What else, when I think about deep water, deep faith, we like to stay close to the shore, don't we? And Jesus wants us to launch out. This morning, I'm just asking, and I want you to don't raise your hand. Some of you have been in Christ for a lot of years. Some of you have been in Christ for a short time. Some of you might not be in Christ this morning. You've never received Jesus Christ, and you can do it at the end of the service. But I'm just asking you, move from the shoreline to the deep. Don't lose your confidence in who he is. And then this reluctance, I just want to say this. There's some lies that some of you are believing. I, I know that. I, I hear them. It's not that you're bad people. There's just lies that the devil has propagated. He's come against you. You've given the devil a foothold. You've given the devil a beachhead. And I just want you, this is extra, but I want you to put it down. There's two ways to overcome a stronghold. The truth of God's word. The truth of God's word will overcome any stronghold that comes against you. And the second thing is, is the power of God's Holy Spirit. And this morning, none of us have to stay trapped, deceived, distorted, depressed, knocked down. We can rise up in resurrection power and say, God, the truth of your word, by the power of your spirit, I'll overcome. Jack Taylor was in our church many years ago when we first started. We had these kingdom conferences. Jack taught on strongholds. I learned more about strongholds from the Apostle Paul and what Paul said, just right down the margin, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal but mighty, and God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, strongholds are real. Strongholds are evidences that we've given the devil a place that he doesn't need to occupy. Several weeks ago, I preached over in Ephesians, about putting on the full armor. That's not the goal for today. But I'm saying, we've got the armor. We can overcome the strongholds. I'll come back to strongholds in a minute. Let's move on. The fifth, the third blank there for verse 5. Simon responded to the master out of obedience. Now, if it had been me or you, I don't know. Like, Jesus, I'm kind of tired. I, I need a snack. Can we go to Zaxby's? Well, or can we go get some fish and chips? And they, they ain't really going to crank me up either. 
You're going to Captain Disease. You've got a bigger problem. Anyway, I, I can't believe I said that. But anyway, okay. I can't believe. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Hey, if you work at Captain D's, I bless you in Jesus' name. Okay, all right. Poor illustration. Man, preacher, you're going to get in trouble. All right. Uh, might be your favorite restaurant. All right, here we go. Uh, responding to the master. You see, as we respond to Jesus out of obedience, his presence fills us. His joy consumes us. His joy overflows. This miraculous teacher Jesus is here this morning. His healing power is in the house for us, for our troubled souls, for our troubled minds, for our troubled bodies, for our troubled marriages, for our troubled families, for our troubled kids, for our troubled relationships. I just know that Jesus is here and that he wants us to grow deep in faith today. I don't care how old you are chronologically or theologically, but Jesus wants you to take the next step. You know, the psalmist says, As the deer pants for the streams of the living water, my soul pants for you, O God. But then it goes on in Psalm 42, 7, and it says, The deep calls to the deep. Let me say this clearly. Jesus wants you to move. He wants you to make progress. It's called sanctification in the theological books. It means to be set apart for the purposes of holy God. It's a progressive sanctification. I'm not going to get into all that. All I'm saying is this. If you've been a Christian five minutes, five days, five years, 50 years, Jesus wants you becoming more like him every day and every year that you live. I don't want you to look back in the past that that was my baptism, that was my college years, that was my young adult years. I mean the whole life. There's St. John out there. Love that man. He'll be 90 in October, our oldest member. Praise God. And that's right. You can put your hands together. Thank God for St. John. And St. John, he needs this message as much as the youngest kid over here that can go to high death today. They need to be moving deep with Jesus Christ. I like what uh, Augustine said. He says, my soul is restless until it finds rest in thee. So you got to grow. you got to mature. This fall, we're, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have small group tables. And so many of you participate. Nationally, percentage-wise, our church is at the very top of churches that do small groups. But there's still ones in this room that you're not convinced. And I'll preach that message another day about building biblical community. But I just ask you, grow deep this year in Jesus. Grow deeper. Move on with a Savior. I love to get around people that are deep. I'm not talking about arrogant, prideful. I mean people that are like Jesus. Let's move to the next blank, verse 7. There's reinforcement called for. Jesus, this boat is so full, I've caught nothing. Now the fish are tearing the nets. Hey, guys, come, come. There's fish, man. They're just exploding. And the and other fishermen, they joined him. And they came up and they filled the other boats. They, they filled it full of fish. And here's what I was thinking. There's reinforcement needed for us. It's called the body of Jesus Christ. It's called the church. I don't know about you. I find reinforcement every time I come into this room with you. You minister to me. I minister to you. You minister to one another. And it's called the community of the Bible. It's called the community of the presence of Christ. And the church said, I want to be a part of that. See, when you miss, like today, I'm so excited. This is more people than we've had all summer. People are starting to come off vacation. Every August, preachers get excited because we know, Lord, they're coming home. Hallelujah. You say, well, don't get too excited. Oh, I'll, get this. I'll have an A order up here if you pack this place down to Chantilly one week. If you want a new preacher, just fill this place up all the way to Chantilly with buses, and I might not make it. I might just go on to glory. 
But then I might have a problem if you get, get some empty chairs because today there ain't many empty chairs except I preached the other day about the seats. Y'all ain't listening. Look at this. Look at all these front chairs. And the rest of you had to put chairs out because y'all didn't want to get up with my spit bubbles. They're anointed. They're sanctified. When they touch you, they'll bless you. Now, I really made that up. But I'm not sick. Isn't it fun to laugh in church? Isn't it fun to reflect in church about a great master? His name's Jesus. Let's continue to build. Reinforcement. I just write under that, we need one another. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Sometimes God calls people home, he promotes them to heaven, and we lose them. And then, as you saw on that slide, six babies coming. There's a seventh baby over there. Every time I turn around, there's somebody. I mean, I'm getting to where I'm just kind of scared to walk around. Like, hey, there's another one. But I'm excited because that nursery is going to fill up. And y'all going to respond to Miss Chrissy. Amen. Look at the next blank. Realization that he was a sinner. Peter goes, you know what? I'm a sinner. I got a problem. Lord, I am so sinful, I can't be in your presence. Eugene Peterson from the message says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. You know, when you really get with Jesus, you're humbled. And you're not just humbled. You realize that he is so great and he is so big and he is so magnificent and he is so perfect. And you are so sinful without him that you need him. You are humbled and you bow in his presence and you want more of him. But in this thing, Jesus had a message. Oh, yeah, you're a sinner, Peter. I know that. <laughs> Believe me, I know Peter. But I've called you not to catch fish. See, Peter, if you just think it was about catching fish, that big old boat load, and the other guys got boat, you know, I, I put a little extra money in y'all's pocket because of the economy, and y'all going to sell you fish at the market. And I'm, you don't read all that in here, but I'm sure it all happened, and that was really good. And, and Peter said, man, let's take Jesus out fishing more. He's really good for your wallet. But Jesus says, Peter, I want you to catch more than fish. I want you to catch people. The scripture says that uh, they left everything. They left their nets. They left their boats. And they followed him. This kind of experience from Jesus, uh, it floods the gospels. In the passage from Isaiah, Isaiah, that great prophet, he says, Woe is me, I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, I'm a man undone. Isaiah knew who he was. Peter learned who he was. You and I have to learn and get the same call. Lord, I'm sinful. Lord, I've failed you. Lord, I've not trusted you. Lord, I've sinned against others. I've sinned against the church. I've sinned against Jesus. I've sinned against the Holy Spirit. Lord, do something. I'm inadequate. I'm un unworthy. You know, I, I hope you can hear that today, unworthiness. We're all unworthy. If anybody here thinks they're worthy, you got a bigger problem than you think you got. You're inadequate. You're insufficient. There is one sufficient one. His name is Jesus. We will always exalt him over the church. But here he tells him, uh, hey, the floodgates of grace are open here for you, Peter. Move out into the deeper water. So God's pushing Peter into the deep water. But he's wanting to teach us a lesson today. He's telling you and me, I want you to not to stay on the shore. I don't want you to stay in the ankle deep water. I want you to go out in the deep. I'm going to push you out into the deep. 
Now, the deep looks like a lot of different things to all of us. But in the deep water, there's Jesus, and it conforms us, and it marks us. I'll come back to that. Let's look at the next blank, verse 10. Relinquish your fear to Jesus. Some of you have fear this morning. I don't know what your fear is, but there's some fear that has gripped your heart. And Jesus just wants you to lay that fear down today and submit it to him. When fear sets in, paralysis comes to rest. I was in the hospital this week, and the man looked up in my eyes, and he happens to be my flesh and blood. And he told me this. He says, little brother, I'm afraid. Fear was real. And you're saying, Keith, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to make my mortgage payment next month. I'm afraid that something's happened in my body. There's some cells or there's a cancer. Or I'm afraid that my marriage isn't going to make it. Or I'm afraid of this. And I just began to say this more and more. And when fear sets in, it changes everything. But I want you to write down this kingdom thought. Deep faith eliminates all fear. Deep faith in Jesus eliminates our fear because he walks with us. How deep is your faith today? You know, we all measure stuff. We, when we play ball, we measure how many hits we get or how many RBIs we have or stolen bases or we, we measure the speed, how fast can something go. We measure our blood pressure. Yes, we measure that wicked thing causes a scale. We measure our weight. When you're young, you measure your height. You know, you know, when I was little, I would go in and I would want to see if I was getting taller. I got to tell you, when you get my age, you just ain't getting taller. You know what I'm saying? You get wider, you get bigger, your pants get a little bigger, but you don't get taller. And we just measure stuff. But this morning, I'm asking you, would you just measure your faith? Is your faith deepening or is it shrinking? There's no reason for it to shrink. It's, it's, it's a time to push forward. I want to take you to a passage real quick. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 43. I've been incredibly personal with y'all in this passage series. And some of you have said, wow, some of the best preaching you've ever done. Glory be to Jesus. And I told a story about my mom the other day and it ministered to so many of you. I just told you a story about my brother. But I got to tell you, every time I read this verse right here, I got to tell my story about my dad. I told you the last words my mom ever told me. Whoop, get in the back seat. <laughs> Stay in the back seat. I think my last words my dad told me was, I love you. But this is the last scripture I ever read to him. Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And when you go through the what? Mine says in the NLT, the deep waters. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. In verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Is that good news today, church? God is with us. He has ransomed us. He will not abandon us according to the Word. He goes with us whatever we're going through. And when somebody can't go with us, have you ever had surgery before? 
and they put that goofy-looking cap on you, and then they put some drugs in you sometimes, and you act real goofy. I've been at many of your beds, and you act goofy then, okay? And you know, people lean down, oh, I love you, and they'll kiss you, and I praise God, I've never had heart surgery, but I've been through that with my family. And when, you, when somebody gets that sick, and you go, yeah, he might not, she might not come out. And, you're, and you know, you're like, what? And, and, and they push you down that gurney, on that gurney, down the hallway. I'm so grateful that Jesus goes wherever we go. Aren't you, church? So I don't care what you're facing. You know, you're by yourself in your house. Does anybody ever get scared? The boogeyman going to get you or something? Jesus is with you. You're taking that big test and all the pressure's on you to perform. And if you don't pass this test, you're not going to get that certification to get this job. You're feeling pressure. And Jesus says, I'm there. I don't care what it is this morning. Jesus is there. He doesn't abandon us. I, I just get full of hope. That's deep faith. That's the authority of the believer that we trust in him. But let's move on quickly. Sometimes we think Christianity is about sitting in the church, sitting in the pew, sitting in the chair, sitting in the bleachers. And man, that's about that much of it. As much as I love celebration every weekend, these are great. But Christianity is so much more about knowing God, worshiping God, lifting holy hands. Let me just tell you in a few weeks, I'm, I'm going I'm to preach a message about lifting holy hands. I'm going to teach you biblically about raising hands and what it means from Old and New Testaments. I want you to be here. I want you to bring people with you. People are like, I go to that church out there. Ah, uh, man, you know, they get kind of excited. You know, Russ Daly and Jeff walking in with electric guitars. That Fowler, he goes on there and beats the snot out of that drum. Boy, that boy can play it. He's good. You know, that person sings and they sing, they do this. And like, whatever. But then they go, hey. And they raise them hands sometimes. And over the years, it's funny, now more and more churches do it. Praise God, it's biblical. I'll, I'll get there, I'll share that with you. But let's just raise our praise to God this morning. Lord, we trust you. But this year, volunteer commitment, they were giving you notebooks, members. If you're not a member and you want to serve, just go by, they'll give you notebooks. It takes a lot of people to make Sunday mornings in the week in the church to happen. We need you desperately. I'm asking you not to do what you want to do. I want you to do what Jesus wants you to do. And when Jesus asks you, I don't want you to go, I think about it, Jesus. You know, I'm amazed how spiritual this church gets when I ask people to do something. I'll pray about it, Pastor. Everybody always tells me that. I'll pray about it. I love it when I speak something and they go, I've already prayed. If you ask something, I'll do it. Well, glory to God. May your tribe. I remember when I asked Tim Womble to be an elder. He looked at me. He says, I don't want to be. I know what it'll mean. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a target on my back and my family. And I couldn't lie to him. He says, but you know, I told God I'd do what he told me, what he wants me to do. And I praise God that Tim stepped into service for Jesus Christ. Aren't you, church? And it wasn't what he wanted to do. It's what God had for him. You're saying, so I'm not, I'm not going to ask you necessarily to do that. I'm just asking you to do what Jesus wants you to do. Thank you, Tim. We move all through this. He tells him, says, Peter, now you think it's about fish, but it's about evangelism. It's about men. It's about souls. And you see, folks, he tells us not to be afraid as we witness, as we live, that he'll be with us. And I, I was thinking about uh, this whole evangelism thing. At the end of the day, it's really about do people know Jesus? And um, it's, just, it's just powerful. Do, do they bear the image of Christ? Do they carry Christ? Do they realize they're a sinner? Do they realize they're separated from God? And some do and some don't. 
And I preached several weeks ago. I think it's on the line. You can go on web and listen to it. And I'm not going to do a message on it now. But hell is real. Hell is so real, friend. And I'm a little bit scared. Today in our world, there is so much. There's not absolute truth, but there is absolute truth. And I'm holding it. And I will state my life on the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people go, well, I don't know about pro-life, you know. God has spoken. Our God is redemptive and he is for life. Amen. And our God is not for the homosexual lifestyle and all the stuff. We've been bashing Chick-fil-A. All they declared was one man for one woman to love one another. And I say, glory be to Jesus Christ. It ain't time to bash. I've heard about reports and people trying to bash. And Chick-fil-A has been over backwards to love people because they are there to serve people. And Jesus gets the glory. Amen? You say, man, you're going to get political. No, I'm going to get Jesus. How about that? I got time to sit there and wrestle with just dumb things, man. And the reality of hell. Now there's a whole movement. There's really not a hell. Really? Well, I think Jesus just died because it was just the thing to do. It was just kind of fun. Woo-hoo, I'll go skipping through the garden. Hell's real. It cost him his life. So I got to tell you about hell. I got to tell you the tough things. So here he says, hey, go fishing. It's a kingdom assignment. Write that in your notes. We all have a kingdom assignment. Go fishing. Some of you are like, that's all you had to tell me. Go fishing. I run to a guy the other day at Walmart. I used to be in my youth group years ago. I said, what are you doing? Going fishing. Every time I said, what are you doing? Going fishing. I mean, that's all the boy does. I said, do you work? Not much. <laughs> I saw someone down on Sunday. He said, where you been? Fishing. It ain't for souls. Always going fishing. He told me the other day, he said, I didn't catch nothing. I went, under my breath, I went, praise God. Walked away. I said, boy, you need to be back in church, man. I mean, you can go fishing any other time, and you, you can't give Jesus a little time. And, and I said, I'm probably going to run into him today or something. You know, anyway, where you been, fishing? All right. I just get too personal with y'all. Here it is. Let me wrap it up. Do you want to go deeper? Are you dissatisfied where you are? See, Peter didn't think he was. He was fine. He just didn't catch anything that day. Jesus said, launch your boat out into the deep. Come to the deeper water. Fishermen know you catch the big fish when you go to the deep water. So Jesus calls us to go after him. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of closeness. It's willing to be still and silent before him. It's willing to not worry about being comfortable moving to the uncomfortable place with him. Jesus wants us to come to a deep relationship, a deep knowledge, a deep love, a deeper commitment, a deep faith, a deeper joy, a deeper grace. So this morning, I just believe the Lord's calling you and me to go out into the deeper water and to follow him. I want to share a passage with you. Hebrews. Can you turn over to Hebrews with me? Look at Hebrews with me. Chapter 13. Verse 5 and 6. I'll I'll get into part of the verse 5. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Sounds like something we read a minute ago from Isaiah, doesn't it? Here's what he says. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Nothing. This morning, I'm excited about God. I'm excited about the cross. I'm excited about baptism. I'm excited about the church. I'm excited about our I2 future and what it means I'm excited about us getting outside the walls. I'm excited about people meeting Jesus. Chris, can I just tell you, I love you in Geneva, and I'm so glad y'all came on a sports Sunday. 
And I'm glad you came in the other day and shared with me you wanted to declare Jesus. I renewed my contract that day when you were here. But this morning, I'm going to close a little different. And we've got two great songs called Cornerstone and, and We Believe. But I really sense uh, this is what we need to do. Tim, I need you to come forward. Uh, uh, one of our elders. Is Ben in here? Is he over next door with the children? He's parking? He's working. Tim, are you in the house? You're come. Is Becky back from Belgium? No. Okay. She's flying in today. Don, I need you, sweetie. Susan Harper, I need you. I, I need a bunch of you. Here's, here's what I want you all to do. I want you all to be ready. I just believe in a message like this about going deep. I think there's some strongholds that are holding people back. So I'm going to kind of go into this a little different. I'm going to ask Russ and the team, Jeff, to uh, launch into Cornerstone. But we've got some time. And I think some of you need to come to this altar. And I've asked, I'm calling people out, uh, Brooke, you and some others, maybe be some youth. There's some strongholds in this room. And our church is a great church. I, I, I just believe you're the greatest people in the world. I believe we have so much kingdom possibility. But we, we're not quite getting there. And today, I just feel like as we're coming into this end of the season, that God wants to break strongholds in people's lives, that the church might be free, and we might see many saved. This baptism today, I, I want to see us do that every weekend, at least every month. And the church said, but I want, to, I want to tell you this. I need some of you to come from prayer. I want to pray over you. Tim does. Donna, women, men, student leaders, Derek, Blake, Justin, y'all do it. I don't know what God wants to do. I'm just going to confess. I'm going to put down some strongholds right now. And on these, if these resonate in your heart, I'm going to ask you to get out of that chair quickly and come and kneel at this altar and people are going to pray with you. Here's strongholds that are holding our church back. Pride. If you know stronghold of pride is hindering your spiritual growth from going deep, I want you to get up out of your chair quickly and just come to the altar. Fear. You've got fear and fear's holding you back. There's addictions. Oh my goodness, we deal with that right here all the time. Addictions. Come on, start coming. I don't know what it is. I know I've already named some of you. Disease, lust, depression, anger, laziness, insecurity, panic attacks, grief, self-pity. Keep coming. Restlessness, perversion, pornography, unbelief, bitterness. I don't know, church. I just want this church to be a power church, don't you? So this morning, we've got like 14 minutes and I'm just going to ask you to just, just come out. Nobody even knows what your sin is right now. Just come and let people pray for you. Russ, you and Jeff lead us in this great song, Cornerstone. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us now. Glory be to God.